Hi, and welcome in to another edition of Battle Plans as the Baltimore Ravens get set to host the Los Angeles Chargers. My name's Tony Lombardi. I'm here with James Ogden and Dev Pantois. Battle Plans is brought to you in part by DNL Window Tinting. If you were looking to advertise your business, let your vehicle be a mobile billboard with a custom wrap. It is a very affordable promotional tool that businesses have found to be very effective. Call DNL Window Tinting today at 410-661-6000. That's 410-661-6000. Hey guys, welcome in. Hey, Tony. Hey, hey Tony, good to be here. Good to have you back again. And boy, I, I, going into last week's battle plans, I bet none of us thought we'd see the game that we saw on Monday Night Football at m and Bank Stadium. Oh, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, I, I know that it was an exciting game, and, and the, the win is going to be up there and thought of for, for a long time. And, and the annals of, like, the Seahawks win, I think back in 2003 is what this game reminded me of. But I must say that uh, it, was, it was a lot of torture <laughs> and watching awful defense for pretty much the entire game. That's what I did not expect. I did not expect the Colts to just – have their way any which way running the ball passing the ball uh, that I did not expect from that group James did you watch the game live yes I did what time of the day are you watching <laughs> so the the prime time games kick off at uh, quarter past one our time in the morning and um, when it goes to overtime and we lose you know I'm, I'm up till 5 a.m watching <laughs> a, uh, watching us lose a game so that's not ideal but so it was good I was, I'm always eternally grateful when we come back in those type of games. And it was great that we, that we actually did. I was, I think we saw a lot of the stuff that we talked about come true. Actually, there was a lot of, you know, Deshaun Elliott not being in was, was really, was a big, was a big thing. You know, we, we saw them use those screens. We saw that, that running offense be really difficult for our defensive line to diagnose and deconstruct blocks. It was a lot of the, they, they, I thought Frank Wright called a great game and, and they were, they were they were a really difficult team to deal with on on defense for us. Yeah, I mean, Dev mentioned some of the I'll call them warts with the defense and just not not being didn't forecast a defensive performance like they they put in. But you know, two things, two glaring weaknesses on that night were Anthony Averett heading into that game. He played really well, but he looked lost in space, and then. Patrick Queen's demise continues, in my opinion. Your guys' thoughts? Uh, you want to split it up, James? Maybe I start with Avert and you start with, with Queen? Yeah, you go for it. Go for it, Dave. I think the Avert uh, situation is very interesting because uh, at one point during the broadcast, I think they brought up the fact that it was a concentrated effort from Wentz in particular to just lock in on, on Avert. And I don't know if that's also getting back to Frank Reich's scheme or any of those principles or just – I mean, I know Rivers, that's something Rivers would have done last year, right? Like he's famous for that. Like he's famous for just attacking whatever weak link there is. And we haven't seen opposing offenses necessarily do that. Now that Averts obviously held his own, but I just wonder if that's going to be a continuation. Uh, it's kind of got some, it got me a little bit worried, no doubt about it. I do believe he's going to bounce, he can bounce back. But I also think that at this point, we haven't seen enough targets at him to even get a, get a feel for if, it, if an offense did that if they just locked in on him all the way. James, do you think not having Deshaun Elliott hurt uh, Anthony Averitt? Uh To an extent, yeah. I think, you know, the, what we needed, 
I think possibly not not that Elliot directly directly helps Averett, but one of the things that we would have needed to have seen for a successful um, game plan against the Colts passing offense would be, um, we talked about it a bit last week, the kind of varying the varying the coverage is disguising your coverage because Frank Reich at the best of times you know is able to be have a kind of a beautiful mind like ability to call the call the right plays at the right time and we won't have been able to vary and disguise the coverage as much without Elliot you know Brandon Stevens has done okay but he's certainly not at the same kind of level as as Elliot in terms of understanding of this defense and, and ability to execute it at a high level so they won't have been able to have hidden their coverage as well without him there, which w- which will have then contributed to, you know, to to Reich and Wentz sort of breaking down that coverage a lot easier and, and, and going after Averitt. I want to get to Patrick Queen, but I, I want to do that in the concept of, of this game against the Chargers. So we'll, we'll touch on that later. But one of the other warts that I thought that the Ravens did mask somewhat is the offensive line. And the reason that I think they were able to effectively mask that in the second half is that they had no choice, but to run no huddle in order to get back in the game. I'm hoping that when they look at how effective Lamar was running that no huddle, and it just seemed like that offense was energized because of it, that they use it as a proactive plan instead of a reactive plan. Your, your guys thoughts on that. I certainly think the no huddle contributed to it. I think the other thing that contributed to it was, was that this, this defense is is just not good at getting pressure. So it, I, I, you know, they, they have proven over a, over the course of course of um, the season really in terms of being, I think, their bottom five in pressures that they that they really do struggle to get pressure on the court, on the quarterback outside of DeForest Buckner, um, with a little bit of Al Qadim Muhammad. Um, Demico T- uh, Ture was quiet this week. Um, they did have um, uh, was it Lewis? I think it's Lewis. Is, is it Lewis? Taekwon Lewis, I can't remember his name. Anyway, they, they they got a little bit of pressure, but it was just it was a kind of typical Colts anemic pass rush from this from this season, um, the, and and the, the no huddle just just took it took it away completely for them. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, James. And real quick, if I could just say, like, it was interesting because we talked offline that this pass rush could have found its footing against Miami, but you brought up a great point, which is Miami's offensive line is about bottom barrel as it gets. Now, Ravens offensive line hasn't been very good either, but I do think it was interesting just looking at the game and when the Colts did blitz, try to blitz, Lamar read it and deciphered it and was on top of it. So they, uh, I don't know if that also just shook them that when the few times they wanted to try to force the hand of the Ravens and just knock them out, and kind of uh, change the tempo, they, they weren't even able to because the, Lamar was that dialed in. Let's get into the defensive keys for the Ravens as they host the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego Chargers again, but they are the Los Angeles Chargers. But, you know, after watching Carson Wentz light up the Ravens, guys, I have to say that I'm a little bit worried about the Chargers passing game with a red-hot quarterback. Now, James, Let's talk about how the Ravens can slow them down after they put up 47 points at home against the Browns. So you, you're right to be worried, Tony. This is a well. This is this is specifically a, a quarterback playing. It. I always I always struggle with this. I always you need to call me out if I if I sound you know too American when I say quarterback. I have to I have to switch between podcasts between the UK British Ravens podcast and this podcast, and I always mix out mix them over mix them up. Um, 
Q, maybe I should stick to QB. Uh, this is a this is a QB playing at a very high level. Uh, Justin Herbert is 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 lighting the league on fire, really, in terms of the way he plays. We'll get to um, his prowess on third down, I'm sure. But this this is a this is a team that we that that is really difficult to stop through the air. What you have to rely on, I think, is is great fundamentals and specifically communication in the secondary. That's the big thing that, that you need to get right. They run an awful lot of zone beating concepts. They they run a lot of high-low passing concepts. Um, I've seen them really run one of the, the pieces I go over, one of the, the plays I go over, one of the concepts I go over in the piece in a bit of detail is the scissors concept, which they, they seem to run um, particularly well. They, they know how to call those and to, and to beat certain coverages with those. So the, the scissors concept specifically is very good against cover four. So th- they are able to, they have a multitude of different passing concepts. They're more downfield than the ch- than we've seen from the charges before. And I think that, that, you know, the way to beat these concepts is, is great fundamentals, great communication. So in, in a, if you're, if you're going up against the scissors concept and the scissors for the people who aren't aware is a corner and a post routes um, sort of overlapping uh, on one side of the field. And one of the ways in which the, the charges run it specifically is that there's a subtle inside stem on the, um, on the corner route, which Keenan Allen usually runs. And he's masterful at setting up that inside stem and then breaking to the outside. And he causes an awful lot of problems for, for, for defenses. The way to combat the scissors concept is if you're running if you're running a cover four, even if you're running a split field coverage, is is a, is what's called as a known as a Zorro call, which is a pre-snap call that you'll get where it just alerts the the defense to the fact that there could be a scissors play on here, and that the safety needs to take the post to the middle of the field, and the corner needs to take the corner out, and they need to that they need to switch from their usual assignments. So it's that kind of communication that's going to be really important. It's not that the scissors I'm just using as an example. Like I said, there's lots of high-low concepts, lots of things that you where you're going to need really good fundamentals, really good play in in the in coverage that is. High, you know, has a high level of processing and is able where people are able to communicate with each other and play as a unit. And that's been a little bit difficult for the Ravens so far. Um, hopefully this 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 defensive backfield has now played a few games together. Hopefully Elliot is back again, but they've played some games together and they've, they've, they've found their, their groove in terms of that stuff. The Chargers, they have the ability to keep drives alive. They are the fourth best team in the league converting on third down at a clip of 48.5%. Dev, that can really wear down opposing defenses. Oh, yeah, it's deflating. Uh, and it's interesting because a guy like Herbert, I mean, uh, James just alluded to the Chargers historically with Rivers, uh, how their big playability was a bit truncated with Rivers. Not that he wasn't able to do it, but Herbert's a different animal, and he can beat you with his legs. He can get out of the pocket. He can improvise extend plays and he can throw the ball over your head and the over the head part is the part that they've been able to um, get get incorporated into these third long third downs and fourth downs because all of a sudden Mike Williams is being used uh, kind of the way that he he was uh, thought to be used coming out of college as a deep play guy and a big play guy so yeah they they have a wide array of array of ways to beat you with Herbert as kind of that anvil or the tool instrument however you want to whatever analogy you want to use but 
Um, and I think that's a big component. The Ravens, though, coming into this game against the Colts were actually very good on third downs. The Denver game, they just, they just I thought Wink pitched a perfect game and they got Teddy Bridgewater and a lot of third and longs, and Denver just couldn't deal with it. On the flip side, the Colts, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they, they actually uh, kind of dissected the Ravens in third and longs and third down situations. So we'll, we'll know the truth. Uh, it is a bit concerning, uh, you know, coming into this game. Is this a matter of a trend, a bad trend, going to kind of show itself up? Or are the Ravens, did they have a bad game and they're going to get better, you know, com- coming back into this one um, because they're going to need to? Yeah, that's that. I, I completely agree with you, Dev. I think that it, you know, they they did seem to to struggle on on third and fourth down um, against the Colts, and you know they struggled to get off the field. But actually, that the the Raven, you, you're absolutely right to point out the Ravens' defense on third down is 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 one of the is one of the 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 better third down defenses in the in the league. Um. And so that's something to, to keep in mind. But the, the thing that I think that stands out with the Chargers on third and fourth down is that they're, they're putting Justin Herbert in, in ridiculous holes that he's having to climb out of. I've just found the stats for the Ravens, their fourth um, currently in effectiveness on, on third and fourth down. So, yeah, Justin Herbert on, on third down is just that they're, they're putting him in awful holes and, and it's coming from from the receivers who are struck. Some of the, you know, if you're playing fantasy and you're you're starting Mike Williams, you're pretty happy with his performance so far. But he is dropping some balls and, and so are the rest of this of this offense on first and second down. And and some of the play calls from Joe Lombardi, who's come over from the Saints to, to coordinate that offense are a little bit questionable. And he, he's putting Justin Herbert in in these ridiculous situations to have to come back from. And when they need Herbert to be Superman, he is like the guy currently leads the league by a significant distance um, on passing EPA on third and fourth downs. It's, I think he's something like plus 39 and a half, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, And most of those are, you know, a lot of those are in third and long. So he's, he's really carving things up. He, he's the guy in that offense that, that makes it go, um, you know, and, and he, he has some trees for receivers, which kind of helps, but he's, a, he's a, he's just playing at a supremely high level right now. One thing just to add real quick, uh, guys would be, I'm sorry, Tony, I, I just thought of this, but wink, this is one situation where information wise, Herbert hasn't seen enough defenses. I feel like this is where wink could come in and, and, and cr- create some, looks that could really get to Herbert. So just wanted to put that out there that because he is a younger quarterback, he might not have seen as many things as Wink might show him. It's a great point. And it also, you know, when you talk about Herbert's ability on third down, third long, and just being so far superior to the rest of the league, to me that says that his offensive front has to be play- playing pretty decently too. Yeah, it is It is playing pretty – oh, sorry, Dev, were you going to come in there? No, not at all, but I know where you're going with this. <laughs> this might be, <laughs> I think one of the top, I, again, the number metrics are not in front of me, but just knowing how well that group is playing and all the additions they've made, but I, I'll let you run with it because I think that's where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is definitely. I think um, just quickly, uh, people who read the piece will, will see the great minds think alike. I think um, Dev's, uh, Dev is so right about the about him potentially not having seen some of the 
some of the the sort of the blitz packages that, that Wink will be able to dial up. Just a quick one, and people can get into it in the piece if they want to read it. I do think um, Wink needs to pull out two different types of, of blitz. I think he has to stay on either end of his spectrum. I think he has to stay on either some of those dog blitzes that are simulated pressures where he only brings four, or he needs to bring the house. Because if he's going to bring five or six, Herbert is very good against pressure, and you can see him pick off blitzes where it's just one or two extra guys throwing behind them to one of his big guys, to Mike Williams, who will use his body to box out and, and, and put the catch away, um, and then you're in trouble. So I think if you're going to do it, I think you've got to bring the house, or I think you've got to do something that's, that's exotic enough, that's a simulated pressure that perhaps Herbert hasn't quite seen yet. Um, and I think you've got to keep bringing, got, got to keep changing it up through the game because the guy is a quick study. If you keep using stuff that's similar that, he's, that he, you've used earlier in the game, he, he's going to pick it off. So I think that's a that's a, um, something to keep an eye on. But you're right, um, Tony, that the the offensive line has been pretty good. Um, they they put together some really good um, additions to that line. They they did bring up um, so they they brought in Matt Filer from the Steelers, who's looked good um, at guard. They got Corey Lindsley in from Green Bay, who's who's one of the best centers in the league. And Rayshon Slater looks just absolutely phenomenal at left tackle so far. The, the, the weakness on that offensive line, which sh- we should be able to get to, is first of all, it looks like Ode Ibushi, who's been playing well at right guard, isn't going to play. So they're going to have to bring in a backup right guard. And they already have a backup right tackle in Storm Norton, who's deputizing for Brian Balaga. So there is a little bit of a weakness on the right side that you could exploit. And the one area that I think you can you can potentially try and get at Rayshon Slater with is stunts. It's the one thing he's just, I'm, I'm not saying he's struggling because the, the guy looks like he's going to be a star, but there's just been a, a you know, if, if you're able, the, the teams that have been able to just get him a little bit have done it with some, with some stunts and games on that side of the line. So that's that's one way that I would kind of try and get at Slater, but I'd attack that right side as much as possible. They are, they are, you know, let's let's test them out. Let's see see whether they can handle it when when you've got a new right guard and a backup right tackle who's um now only playing I think two or second or third game in that in that in that scheme. Fellas at the top of the show we talked a little bit about the weak inside linebacker player the Ravens. And if you put stock in pro football focus of the 84 linebackers graded by PFF, Patrick Queen is 84th, and that's pretty bad. So he's become a bit of a liability. Dev, how are the Ravens going to contain a playmaker like Austin Eckler in either the running game or the passing game? Uh, it's a safe, it's a very scary proposition because I believe, uh, other than the Kamara and, and- I mean, McCaffrey, Austin Eckler is the best receiving back in the league. And, and what really uh, got my wheels in motion when I was watching the, what, watching what the Colts did, a lot of pre-snap motion. They got their backs involved. Uh, obviously, they put them in space, but it was also a matter of using those backs not only to create mismatches, but to get the linebackers moving in the wrong direction. I don't know if Queen was as much uh, I think Queen made some mistakes, but I think Harrison made more mistakes. And, and both guys had their issues, but it, it, regardless, I think the, the, the scary part is using a chess piece like Eckler, whether you get him one-on-one like he did on a wheel route against the Raiders a couple of weeks back, he's an expert route runner down the field and he'll beat you that way. Or he's used as a chess piece to draw coverage and create openings for guys like Jared Cook, who doesn't jump off the page, but is a really, I think, sneaky receiving tight end. 
it's not just about Keenan Allen. It's not just about Mike Williams. It's the scheme, very similar to the way the Saints were built. They scheme guys open. So part of that is Eckler. So in the, in getting back to Queen, I think this is a game where you, you may need to play more Chris Bourne. Uh, I, I think Queen in space is kind of a tough proposition. I do think he did some better things against the run um, when it was a straight ahead thing and, and they had to stop the Colts that way. But I would, I would hope more board and you see some, some dime and you see some creativity from Wink in terms of how he uses safeties. Maybe they get Elliot involved in the box. So that would be my kind of, uh, you know, cause, cause Eckler is that important. They really have to figure out a way to neutralize him. The other thing you can do, Deb, is um, I agree with everything you said. I think the other thing you can do is hopefully with the pressure, um, you can force them to keep him in a little bit more. Um, right. If you're if you're starting to get some pressure, you know they can they can force him to keep him in on max protect, possibly to protect that right side a little bit, um, and hopefully that that could that could help as well. But you're right. I think it's it's got to come from that. And the, and the other thing to be concerned to be a little bit concerned about is the charges are in the run game are very good at the second level. Um, so whether it's them pulling or whether it's them uh, climbing to the second level because they're in, in in the zone in a zone blocking scheme, um, they they are they are very good at the second level uh, and they they find ways to get a hat on a hat um, to get a big guy on a linebacker. Corey Lindsley is really good at the second level, and so and that's one of the things we we've, we've struggled. The Ravens have struggled with. It's been occupying double teams, stopping those stopping those guys climbing to the second level. Um, has not been as proficient as in as in previous years. Uh, Derek Wolf's a big miss there, and then and then on top of that, it's you know it's the linebacker play once they once they do get there to the second level. So that's definitely something. And um, one of the things I actually saw that was more positive from Queen in the last game was that he was taking on some of those bigger blockers and and getting off blocks a bit better. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that he's fixed all his issues, and you know there were plenty of plenty of um, areas for improvement in the in the game that we that we just witnessed. But I did think he 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 showed a little bit more in terms of getting off blocks, and he's going to need to keep keep developing that um, if he's going to be the um, the Mike linebacker of the future for the Ravens. Guys, I wanted to move on to the offensive keys, but before we get there, I did want to mention that Battle Plans is sponsored in part by Rock Spring Financial Group. If you are in the market to refinance your home get a second mortgage to renovate, or get that dream vacation home, let Rock Spring customize a plan for you with their vast array of lenders. That's Rock Spring Financial Group at rockspringfinancial.com. So moving on to the offensive keys, the Chargers led uh, field the league's 19th ranked defense. Devin James, they're dead last after five games against the run, but of late, the Ravens have had a tough time getting the run game going. Dev, talk about that challenge on Sunday. Yeah, there's a combination of things. Clearly, you see it against the Colts, the, the, the Lions' inability to win their matchups kind of stands out the most to me. Um, the Chargers still have guys up front uh, that can win those matchups, that can get penetration. Uh, I know that philosophically, and James has probably drilled down more on this, but I think philosophically, they also believe in that, which is that we may not have to necessarily commit as many numbers in the run game uh, to defend the run. And I think part of that is having a Bosa and having some of these gap splitters that they have. So I'm a bit worried because, again, the, the, the Ravens offensive line against uh, a kind of similar group with the Colts and that, that quickness up front struggled uh, to create holes. And I believe that could still happen on, although if you can swing the other way, which is if they can get those, if they can engage and, and actually 
be able to to hit their targets, they can overpower this group. And I think that's one component where the Chargers just, you know, can't necessarily go man to man or can't necessarily play in a phone booth for the for the older <laughs> crowd there with that expression because phone booths are obsolete at this point. But uh, I don't know, James, if you're seeing the same things or something different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's my initial impression about this run defense. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dev. This this defense uh, is predicated for anybody who doesn't know this. This is Brandon Staley's defense. He he is the coordinator of this of this defense. He he was a Rams defensive coordinator last year, and he is a Vic Fangio disciple. He um, actually sought out Fangio and wanted to coach under him. Staley has started to implement the same the same type of defense. I, I, I we referenced it in the in the Denver Battle Plans um, podcast and and piece that Stace Fangio under normal circumstances, and this wasn't what he did against the Ravens, but under normal circumstances will dare you to run with a with what looks like a light box, usually of, of six guys. Um, if you watch the game that the Chargers played against the Browns at the weekend, they used a lot of 5-2, um, a lot of the 5-2 defense that the, that the Lions used so successfully against us um, in week two, week three. Um but that five two was was basically to counteract the the heavy personnel that the Browns kept coming out in with two three tight ends. So I suspect what we'll see is we'll see Staley do what Fangio didn't do against us, which is dare us to run the football with probably with a with a what looks like a light box. And the reason that works against the run is because of the depth of the safeties. Um, it's also because of the of the technique of the defensive line. They have a technique called stack track fullback. Um, which really works in terms of being gap sound. The problem Staley has is that he doesn't, obviously he doesn't have the kind of talent he has on, he had on the Rams and he certainly doesn't have, and he also doesn't quite have the talent that Vic Fangio has. He certainly doesn't have it at the safety position. Derwin James is phenomenal and is a great safety, but is not necessarily used to this style of defense yet. Nasir Adley is good. But I don't think either of them are have as have as good a trigger as Justin Simmons or Kareem Jackson on the Broncos. So the safety play is not quite as as effective as, as you see from from a Fangio defense. And the defensive line has not yet learned particularly how to play play gap sound within this scheme. And so what you saw on Sunday was the Browns run all over them all day long. And it wasn't just because they were putting two, three tight ends on the field, because as I've just said, they they kept a, they still kept their numbers low, even, even against that kind of um, overload from the Browns. So I think what I want to see from the Ravens this week is I want to see a decent dose of zone runs. We don't usually run, run that many. We are more of a gap, um, a gap power team. I'd like to see some more zone runs because the, the, that defense that Fangio installed, that Staley is a proponent of, it's it's the reason it was created was to to stop the zone the zone run because that's become much more um, of a of a um, in vogue offense in, in the league. So the way to beat it when it isn't working is is the zone run game. So it'd be really interesting to see if they can work some more of those in and, and really work that defensive line that just isn't quite ready to yet play. Um, Fangio and Staley's scheme um, at a particularly high level. Guys, back during the 2018 draft, I was dying for the Ravens to take Derwin James. But now looking back, if they had, Lamar Jackson is probably playing somewhere else right now. 
But Derwin James, as James just said, he can do it all. How would you guys try to diminish his effectiveness? Dev, talk about how the Ravens can help mitigate mitigate uh, Derwin James's effectiveness. Yeah, I think some of it is going to have to be a formation approach, just being able to use some motion, um, being able to identify where he is, and then uh, you know, kind of attacking him head on. Um, and that's not going to be easy, of course, because of, again, part of the the challenge is even identifying where he is in the first place. Kind of reminds me of. Honey Badger. It kind of reminds me of Troy Palomalu going back in the day, but that's the type of style that he he plays, which is that he moves all over the place and he's going to be a factor in the run game. He's going to be a factor in coverage to try to take on the tight end. And if that's, you know, Andrews for the sake of it, but yeah, I think the Ravens um, have been doing some good things. I, I don't know necessarily from a pre-snap motion position, you know, they've been doing some things with fakes um i think some of that came out against the colts with pumps and and play fakes so that's one way to potentially get james um in some some tough spots perhaps and then i think the other way to go is motion with the matchup so if they can get him uh on a receiver they can get him on you know get him in spots um where he is is having to cover and he's not as aggressive i think that could help mitigate his effectiveness but it it is not going to be an easy task whatsoever yeah, and that's definitely the way to to sort of if you can try and isolate him and 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 scheme up against him, that that's great. There are gonna there are gonna be times when he I think fulfills three different roles. Um, or well, I think he's gonna fulfill two roles, and if I think he fulfills the third role, it's a bit foolish. But I think they they may get him, they may attempt to get him on Mark Andrews. You know, Andrews has put up some huge numbers and and Derwin James has, has, has really looked great in, in man coverage against some of the best tight ends in the league. You know, he faces Kelsey and Waller twice a year and he's not necessarily been healthy to face those guys as, as regularly as you would have liked to see. But he has limited Travis Kelsey on a number of occasions. And so I think they may feel like they want him on Andrews a lot. So if we can scheme to get him off Andrews, that would be great. But I also think <clears throat> we shouldn't be scared of trying to throw throw the ball in. You know, the, the way you beat Derwin Jane, he will have tight coverage on him. But Andrews and Lamar have shown the ability to, to beat that type of coverage with, with maybe a, a drop-in touch pass over the shoulder or, or something else. The other way in which they use him is off the edge. So um, you need to be careful of him on the backside of, of any run, any runs that you do. If, the, if it's a, if it's a gap run that the back cannot be hesitant because he'll get blown up from behind. You also can't leave him unblocked. And then the other thing is he's pretty good as a pass rusher. I think Makari's probably got enough leverage and foot speed to deal with him one-on-one, but Villanueva might need a bit of help. And you certainly can't block him with a running back. So you just need to be careful of him off the edge. The only other thing I just wanted to say on him is that, you know, he was the first guy that everyone thought was a, you know, the, with the Chargers playoff game, it was kind of, there was a lot of narrative about him, about him being the Lamar stopper. And um, if they do put him in that role, I think more for them really, because I, I, you just, I don't think you should be taking Derwin James out of your, out of your coverage shell, out of your game plan to just put him on Lamar. You're going to need more than Derwin James to stop, stop Lamar because the Chargers did in that playoff game. And I think you, you know, just would leave a, would leave a hole in the secondary that we've just seen Lamar take advantage of. If you, if you try and overload to stop him and taking one of your best coverage players out of the, of the coverage shell to try and stop Lamar is exactly the kind of thing that we've seen really backfire against teams um, over the last couple of weeks when they're trying to stop Lamar. 
You are listening to Battle Plans here on the Russell Street Report. Against the Broncos, the Ravens threw a lot on first down, guys. And despite the Chargers' struggles against the run, James, you think the Ravens should use the pass to set up the run. Explain why. So this is this is only in one specific circumstance. And the one specific circumstance is if Brandon Staley decides to take the same foolish approach that his mentor did. So Vic Fangio, you know, did not did not believe that his his run defense could stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens run running offense with with the way he normally does things. I thought that was a bad choice. I thought it left them wide open on the back end and the Ravens took advantage of it. Now, if Staley's been watching the games, he's been watching the tape, can't believe that that is the plan that he sets out to execute. But if he does set out to execute that and he loads the box like his mentor, then we need to throw the ball to set up the run. They've got to come out firing. They've got to take shots. I'm not sure that this defensive secondary outside of Derwin James can particularly hold up if you're going to put them on, on an island against some of, frankly, the best re- best receiving threats we've, we've ever seen in Ravens uniforms now. So that's the circumstances within which I would definitely throw the ball to set up the run this week. But it, it, it's purely dependent on, on the approach that Staley takes. Yeah, just to add to, I mean, it goes both ways right now. Like Ravens have not proven that they can run the ball either. So when you think about it, uh, you know, I think the the, the 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 approach should still remain. I mean, this passing game may just have to be respected enough and they'll back off and create some opportunities. Even if you go with multi-receiver sets, maybe you can get the run game going that way out of the gun. Tony, you brought up the two-minute drill and two-minute offense. Those are ways to manufacture a run game and kind of get it some momentum. Because remember, the ru- running the ball is, is, is uh, also momentum the deal i mean the line gets in a groove and they can get into a rhythm so uh yeah to me like that's also part of maybe the approach with the run game is just to kind of get it into a rhythm maybe they need to just take that approach and try to get some low-hanging fruit and you know spread the field and run the ball to some pass sets guys each week we focus in on the matchup to watch and so many of them are in this game but most seem to be king in on a rookie for the Ravens who's playing probably better than most thought, and he's going up against an offensive lineman. James, talk about that key matchup in your mind. Yeah, there's some great matchups in this game. You know, Keenan Allen against Marlon Humphreys is a great one. But I, I went with the one I'm most excited to see, which is Rayshon Slater against the Daffy Airway. Slater has been really good so far. I did believe that he should have been a top 10 pick. He, for me, was not quite the same ceiling as Panay Sewell, but so technically gifted and was clearly going to be a dominant offensive tackle in this league, and he's proving that. So it's it'll be really good to see Adafi Owe go up against him. This is a guy who, you know, I think is going to be one of the premier offensive tackles in the league versus a guy who I think is going to be one of the premier edge rushes in the league. So it'd be great to get an early kind of yardstick of of always of always development going up against uh, someone from the same class as him who appears to be, you know, in competition for sort of best rookie in the NFL this year. Yeah, you pretty much covered it, James. I was going to say that Owe has really been physical and he's playing with some reckless abandon. And my one concern for him is because he's learning, it seems like each week, my one concern for him is injury because he's playing with such reckless abandon. I could see that because he does throw his body around and he plays physical against the run and, 
he gets after it. But, uh, you know, I think right now they're kind of deploying him like a missile and just getting the best out of him. And uh, one thing about Slater, his feet are so incredible. So that's going to be the challenge for OA. Is, is he going to have some moves that counter that? He's not going to just be able to win with the speed. Great stuff, fellas. Check out the complete battle plans on Russell Street Report every Thursday. It has become one of the most popular features on Russell Street Report. Thanks for listening, and please follow us on Twitter at Russell ST Report. We'll see you next week.